It is good to see you guys this morning. Thankful for our worship team uh, putting together songs for us. If we could just let them know how much we appreciate them, that'd be great. If, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to those to the third chapter of the book of Ruth. The third chapter of the book of Ruth. We've been in a series on the book of Ruth. That's kind of how it works. And in this third chapter, we're going to see a shift in the story. For many of us who are familiar with the story and teachings, we know that we're moving to the place where Ruth and, and Boaz uh, enter into a, a place of romance. But on top of that, there's also some strategery on the part of Naomi. And there's also strategery on the part of Ruth. And we are just glad that cold feet for Boaz do not mean the same thing as cold feet for us. So Ruth chapter 3, uh, romance, what an interest. That, that was that was good. Uh, <laughs> romance is such an interesting conversation. Hope and I met doing a summer camp in 2016. We, uh, she came to visit Chattanooga that that fall. I think she came to visit me rather than me go to visit her because she could leave when she wanted and she didn't know when I would leave if I showed up and this wasn't going well but I went to vi- she came to visit I took her um just to let you know how romantic I am our first official date we went to the great crystal square off if you're unfamiliar with the crystal they're called white castles in the midwest they're those little square hamburgers we went and watched people compete eating those uh so you know just the essence of romance uh, on our First Valentine's Day, we were dating, and I said, "Let's go to dinner and a movie." I took her to see. I took her to a place that is really the equivalent of of Lake Jackson's um, Smith Hearts, you know, to a hamburger place with a dirty carpet. And when we left Smith Hearts, we went to watch the movie Hannibal. I chose that. If you are unfamiliar with Hannibal. Hannibal is the prequel to the Silence of the Lambs movies. You know, I, I don't know how I'm married, and I don't know how I have children. Uh, n- none of these things. So, we get to Ruth chapter 4, and we see strategy. We see romance. We pick up in chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to read the chapter, the chapter for us. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you? So that you will be taken care of. Now isn't Boaz a relative? Haven't you been working with his female servants? This evening he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash. Put on perfumed oil and wear your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor. But don't let the man know you were there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, I want you to notice the place where he's lying. Go in and uncover his feet. Lie down. And then he will explain to you what you should do. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything that her mother-in-law had charged her to do. After Boaz he ate and he drank and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley and she came secretly, uncovered his feet and she lay down. At midnight, Boaz was startled turned over and there lying at his feet was a woman so he asked her who are you I am Ruth your servant she replied take me under your wing 
for you are a family redeemer. And then he said, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Now don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer who's closer to you than I am. Stay here tonight and in the morning if he wants to redeem you that that's good let him redeem you but if he does not want to redeem you as the lord lives i will now lie down until morning so she lay down at his feet until morning but got up while it was still dark then boaz said don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor and he told ruth bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out when she held it out he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl and she went into the town she went to her mother-in-law Naomi who asked her what happened in my my daughter. Then Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. And she said, he gave me these measures of barley because he said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi said, my daughter, wait until you find out how things go for he will not rest until he resolves this today. We see a few things happening in this passage. I want to give you just a quick breakdown of it. We see the setting in 3, 1 through 4. In that setting, two things are happening. You see rest and you see refuge. Conversation about those two things. In, verses th- in chapter 3, verses 5 through 13, you see sacrifice. When we look at sacrifice in the passage, we see two things, risk and resolve. Finally, the third thing that we see in the text, we see celebration in 14 through 18. We see respect and rejoicing. Respect and rejoicing. That's what takes place in the text. One more time for those in the back. The first thing that we see is we see the setting. And in the setting, we see risk. Or rather, I mean, in the setting, we see rest and we see refuge. In our second portion of the text, we see sacrifice, risk, and resolve. In the final part of the text, we see celebration. And when we look at the celebration, we see respect and rejoicing. We get to Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. And our situation has changed. Because in this moment, Ruth transitions from the person who is working for Boaz to a person that Naomi wants to, in some way, connect to Boaz. When we look at this, it, we're reading through the story of these Bible people. And I don't want us to miss something. Many times when we read through the scripture through it and read through it and find that all of these people are good people. And the Bible does have numerous people that we would look at and we would see attributes that are good. But more than the Bible is full of good people, it's full of real people. Real people with real things that are happening and real things that need to happen. And we read in this passage, we see Naomi and she is no different. So I want you to know as you spend time in this text today, this, we're, look, we're looking at a description as to what is taking place, not a prescription for how we should live. We are looking at a description and we are not looking at a prescription. The first thing we see, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, should I, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of? Isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his female servants? This evening, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. We've moved from the beginning of Ruth chapter 1, or at the end of Ruth chapter 1 rather, to where we are here, and we're at the place where we're going to deal with the wheat, deal with the grain, work through and celebrate what's been happening there. And we notice in this passage that Naomi is beginning to consider Ruth. 
thinking about what she should do for Ruth, how she will care for Ruth, how she will provide for Ruth. Because Ruth has walked away from all that she was and she has lived for Naomi. And Naomi, who came to Bethlehem and felt empty, has realized what she has in this girl, Ruth, who is with her. She's realized how she cares for her. She's realized what she means to her. She's realized that God has walked beside her in the person of Ruth. And she knows that more than likely she will pass away before Ruth. I need to do something for you to care for you. We notice that Naomi gives her directions. Here's what's taking place, girl. What is happening is Boaz is celebrating at the threshing floor. He is going to be merry. He's going to eat. He's going to drink. So you need to go down there and let him know that you would like to be committed to him. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Boaz because he is a kinsman. He's a relative of mine. Different word than used in much of the text. We've heard the phrase kinsman redeemer talking about this passage. She's saying Boaz can take care of you. But this has nothing to do with Naomi. It has everything to do with Ruth. I want you to go to where he is. And there's a likelihood that he will care for you. Naomi... Her heart is melting as she considers the prospect of Ruth not being taken care of. This has said love of God that we talked about last week. The love of God that is sacrificial, that is gracious, that is compassionate, that is caring. This love of God is there. So she said, you're going to go meet with Boaz, but before you do, verse 3, take a bath. That is a great... Point of reference for you if you are ever going on any date ever. Just take a bath. Just start with a bath. Ruth, up to this point, has been dressing like a widow, living like a widow, being a widow. She's been working through life in a patriarchal world as a widow. And Naomi says, we need to glow you up. Now, we don't need to glow you up to the point of a glamour shot. Now, maybe some of you guys are glamour shot people and yours look good. Most glamour shots look like someone was attacked by a fancy poodle. But... Nothing is wrong with it. So she's seeing this story. I want you to go bathe, get there. And when you get there, here's what needs to take place next. I want you to, and right here, the writer of the book of Ruth begins to use language to convey overtones of something that is connective, something that is emotional, something that is relational. Go here with me. Verse 3. Put on your perfumed oils. Wear your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know you're there until he's finished eating or drinking. When he lies down, lies down communicates something sensual. When he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. That communicates, don't lay at the feet of the wrong dude. That's true. Who's this girl? Uh, Go in and uncover his feet. Also something sensual. And lie down. A third time we see the idea that Naomi has a plan. And her plan is for Ruth to be in a relationship with Boaz. You rest there. I would not give you this type of direction as to how to find a spouse for your son or for your daughter. Look, I have one daughter, and I would never tell her to go find a man like this. Matter of fact, she's going to stay in that bunk bed until she's about 41 years old. 
The Bible's not telling us how to find a husband. The Bible's not telling us the answer to questions like, can we have kids without the permission of, of an in-law? The Bible's not telling us how long we should court. The Bible's not telling us, is it best to ask a man a question after he has eaten? But the answer to that is yes. If you're asking me questions, ask, always after I've eaten. If I've not eaten yet, you've got something you need to talk to me about that's important, just bring a water burger with you. This is not what should I do. This is telling the story of what God values. And here in this story, Naomi, who's even broken, and we can see that she's broken in the way that she's approaching this, she has this deep desire to care for Ruth. I want you to go and find rest in Boaz. Not because he has any reason to, find, to help you find rest, but because I want you to have someone that you're attached to. I don't want you to be left in this world when I'm gone with no one to care for you because you are a foreign, barren widow and the world that we live in will eat you alive. She's not mentioned that Boaz is just a meal ticket. She's looking out for Ruth's best interests. Ruth is the only thing that Naomi has. And we look at this text and Naomi is beginning to make decisions where she's living her life for someone else. She's making decisions that will impact Ruth. It may not be the decision that we would look at and that we would make, but we see in this decision to send Ruth, Ruth is all that Naomi has. She's realized that she's not empty. She has her. Ruth's actually her provision, but I don't want you to be left alone. So you go there, you find someone, and maybe, just maybe, you'll, he'll love you and you'll love him, and we will have a strategic partnership. You will. And I'm fine to be empty because I want to care for you. And we see kindness, we see loyalty, we see love, we see faithfulness, we see grace, we see mercy, we see compassion. And in this picture, we see sacrifice. Because in this world, a man has to negotiate for a woman. Ruth has no men. In this world, even if she did, she has nothing to offer. There's no dowry, there's no money to exchange. She has none of those things. Naomi's doing her best to put Ruth in a good place. But Naomi, as she does this, she seems to be missing something. And that's okay because every one of us is missing something all of the time. And if you're not missing something, you are. Naomi wants Ruth to rest in Boaz. But we've already seen in the text where Ruth finds her rest. Naomi wants Ruth to rest in Boaz, but Ruth has already found refuge in Yahweh. Boaz points it out in 2 verse 12. The threshing floor, this place where they're going, is where farmers would separate grain from the chaff after all the grain had been gathered. They would toss a mixture of straw, grain in the air, and they would just kind of separate it with a pitchfork. The, the heaviest kernels would, would fall down. We talked about that a little bit last week. It was usually on a hilltop because hilltops were better for such it was usually done on a hard surface so that the grain would not mix with dust and the chafe would be blown away. The threshing floors were these joyous places for celebration. A party was taking place there. This is the end. And remember, we have been in famine. We're no longer in famine. So when we're doing this right now, we're not just celebrating something that's happening. We're celebrating something we've been waiting to happen. This is a joyous moment. A party was there. The workers would sleep in these locations in order to protect the grain because remember, nobody's been eating. Everyone's going to come steal the grain. Prostitutes would take advantage of the threshing floor because they would go there where these men had eaten and had drank and they would 
take advantage of the situation and the men were just as guilty. Remember, we're talking about a story of real people. And when you're considering who Ruth is and who Boaz is, the Scriptures are very clear to us to point out their virtue, their nobility. The Scriptures set them apart as people in this text. This is a dangerous place that Naomi has sent Ruth to despite the dangerous setting of this that is happening there. She says, you'll find rest there maybe and that maybe is better than nothing. But from there, we shift to what takes place when Ruth gets there. Verse 5. So Ruth said to her, I'll do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor. And she did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. After Boaz had ate and drank and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley. And she came secretly... She uncovered his feet and she lay down. She lays down at his feet. She uncovers his feet. The belief is if you uncover the feet that that the air, the cold air on this hilltop will wake a person up. And that's what happens. She is waking up. It's very much parents in the room. You know when the kid shows up in the middle of the night and they want to wake you up so they just mess with you? Maybe they uncover you, or maybe they're like my daughter who takes my CPAP machine and pops my nose. She's not always cool. That's why she's sleeping in that bunk bed till she's 41. <laughs> she uncovers his feet. And when she does, Boaz is startled in verse 8. Who are you? What a question. Who, who are you? But remember, it's not like if we're here. If you see someone at night in the parking lot at Walmart, you more than likely recognize them. If you see someone on your street, you more than likely recognize them. Because lights are everywhere. There's no light anywhere. Very little. Who are you? We're not sure how he said it. Maybe he was grumpy. Who are you? Why'd you wake me up? I'm an old man. The writer has pointed out, though, the virtue of Boaz and the virtue of Ruth. She says, I am Ruth. I am your servant. And then she says something that is huge. Take me under your wing. Now, if you are unclear, Boaz is not a bird. Take me under your wing. For you are a family redeemer. The word for servant here is different than the one that's used in chapter 2. In chapter 2, she refers to herself as a servant. That, that's a word that's connected to, I, I work for you. I'm an employee, almost. It's, it's really slave. That's the terminology. The word used here is a different word. It's a word that is connected to relationship. Ruth is intentional in her language. Boaz, I want you to become Boaz. That's what I would like to happen now. You know how you said I should take refuge under the wing of Yahweh. I want to, I want, so I heard you say that. Chapter 2 verse 12. She probably didn't point that out because they didn't have the numbers yet. But in 2 verse 12, you said I should take refuge under your wing. Under the wing of Yahweh. And I love that I get to do that. You too. I just don't want to know that I've taken refuge under the wing of Yahweh. I want you to be the way that that happens. 
So friends, in the room, let's just think through it for a moment. Imagine there's a situation where you come across someone and you speak some Christian subtlety to them. Maybe you've never done that. But I have. And you tell them, when you hear of their situation, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And you don't give a second thought to the fact that you've told them that you would pray for them. I'll think about you. I'll send good vibes your way. Thoughts and prayers. And you walk away never to remember the phrase that you used again. She, in this situation, is interacting with Boaz. And she said, hey, you know how you said that I should take refuge under the wing of Yahweh. I'm going to do that. But there's a way that I can do that. And that way is you. Friends, how often in our lives do we look around and see the needs of those who are in situations around us and overlook the fact that, yes, the thoughts and the prayers that we say matter, and they are going to matter, but God maybe, just maybe, has empowered you to enable an answer to that prayer. He's equipped you to meet the need that is there. Boaz, I want you to be the refuge. And this is usually where we put a bow on the story because we love to hear the story of Ruth and Boaz and we've got this kinsman redeemer thing and it all gets sewn up. We put a bow on top of it and Christmas is here throughout the year. Joyous. But there are a couple of things at play in the passage. Because we're not just talking about romance, we're talking about strategy. And in a world where you are valued based on what you can provide and you are valued because of the land that you have, Things are different. You have land, you have lineage. And two laws were in effect. And one does not matter to the other. The first, when we look at these laws, one is called a, a, a Leverite vow. If a man dies, his brother is supposed to take the widow at, as his wife. So, again, we're in a different world. So, imagine that something happens to your spouse and you have to marry their sister. Or their brother. And lots of you have a look on your face like, ugh. But that's the world they lived in. Boaz is not her brother, is not the brother of Ruth's husband. In a word, or in a few words, this vow, it's not his problem. On top of that, you've got the kinsman redeemer. That's the one we're more familiar with. Uh, But maybe we don't know how it works. I didn't know how it worked completely. A man becomes poor and he has to sell his land. The closest relative, according to the kinsman redeemer law, means that the brother of this man, or the closest relative of this man, buys the land. The closest relative buys the land, and in the year of Jubilee, which took place every so many years for the Jewish people, that land was then gifted back to the family member who, it, who had sold it initially. We have both of these laws at work, both of these laws at play, and this is not Boaz's problem either. The Leverite vow, not Boaz's deal. The kinsman redeemer law, not Boaz's deal. Neither one of these things are things that Boaz is responsible for. They're not Boaz's problems. But what we miss, if we're not careful, is this. They're not Ruth's problems either. 
They don't belong to her. She has no responsibility to Naomi. She's chosen to walk with Naomi. She has no responsibility to the line of Elimelech. She's chosen to be part of that. She's not Jewish. She is taking Naomi's burdens upon herself. She has no reason to commit herself to the line of Elimelech. This is not her deal. She made it her problem when she committed to Naomi and to Yahweh. There are lots of things that we look at and we say, that's not my problem. That's not my deal. I don't have to do anything to help with that. But the thing about being followers of Jesus is, the idea of saying that we're going to align ourselves with Him, and we're going to align ourselves with the things that He cares about, the things that matter to Him, means that things that we can say on our own, in our individual nature, that's not my problem, because we have connected ourselves to Him, they become our problems. We're called to care about what Jesus cares about. What did Jesus care about? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. What did Jesus care about? This said love that we've talked about in the passage. Of compassion, grace, kindness, sacrifice. For those of us who are in line with Jesus, in relationship with Jesus, things that we can say on our own are not things that we have to deal with. We now have to care about. You don't get to sidestep them. We're called to be the people of Jesus. She has just said to Boaz, Look, I'm here. I want to be underneath your wing. And I want you to give me a child so the land goes back to Naomi and her line. And I want you to do so so that we can continue the family line of Elimelech. I'm making a decision to care for you or to care for Naomi. I'm making a decision to care for her line. I'm making a decision to make sure that she doesn't lose her property. That's what I'm asking. He has every reason to scoff at her, to turn his nose up at her, to roll his eyes at her. She is taking a risk. She's put herself at risk. Why? Because she could be embarrassed. Remember, she showed up 10 years in. She's not been able to have a baby. And she's saying, we're going to have a baby to take care of this lady? She could be mocked. She could be humiliated. She could be treated like a prostitute. She could be mistreated. All of these things could happen. But we don't get that with Boaz. When we are dealing with the issues of the world in which we live, when they're put in front of us, do we mock them? Do we make fun of them? Do we turn our nose up toward them? Or do we seek to see gospel hope that could be presented through us in these situations? Boaz said, May the Lord bless you, my daughter. You've shown more kindness. That's that word again that has said. He's pointing out that compassion, kindness, grace. All of those words. That's the word used here. You are putting these things on display. Don't be afraid. I'll do whatever you say. Since all the people in my town 
They know that you're a woman of noble character. He is saying, when I look at you, Ruth, I see, I see a reflection of God's loving, caring, compassionate kindness. Because you are putting those things in place, in action for your mother-in-law. And as she sits there at risk of being humiliated, he restores her value. Woman of noble character. Let me show you one, is what he says. You're that. Who can find a wife of noble character, it says in Proverbs 31.10. She's far more precious than jewels. And in the Hebrew Bible, here's something you'll notice. In the Hebrew Bible, you get the story of Ruth right after Proverbs 31. As if the, the arrangement is to show you this is what that looks like. Noble is a word used to describe Boaz in the text. It's also used to describe warriors. He's just said to this lady, you're a warrior for what you've done. You're boss. She's a barren, foreign widow who does not matter in that world. And he has just said, you do. Friends, are we ever going to see this again in the Bible? Of someone who would look at barren, foreign widows and tell them they have value? Of someone who would look at women who were of ill repute? Who are, from, who are a foreign people and say you matter? We see Jesus when he looks at the Samaritan woman. We see Jesus when he looks at Mary Magdalene. We see Jesus on the cross when he looks down at his own mother, many who believe was a widow at the time. We see the picture of Jesus in this story in Ruth and in Boaz. Verse 12. Yes, it's true that I'm a family redeemer, but there's a redeemer closer than I. Stay here tonight. And in the morning, if he wants to redeem you, that's good. We'll let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you as the Lord lives, now lie down until morning. Verse 14 through 18, we see celebration. I love this. Respect and rejoice. We notice that here. So, so she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up while it was still dark. And then Boaz said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. It's a big deal, Ruth. You don't need to be here. We don't, need to pe- we don't need anyone to think anything negatively of you. We don't need to cancel out the noble character that you put on display. We don't need these things to happen. But she went to her mother-in-law. And Naomi asked her what happened. And then Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. But he'd done something big. We don't want to miss it. In verse 15, he said, Bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled six measures of barley in her shawl and sent it, sent it with her into the town. So when she shows... Ruth's always carrying stuff. When, like 120... Okay. She shows up and she has all of this grain. Don't go back empty-handed, Boaz said. And when he gets there, when Ruth gets there, she opens this up. She looks at Naomi and she says, Hey, this is what he sent. Now, that's a big deal. And the reason it's a big deal is the whole story is wrapped around the idea that Naomi declares quickly that she is empty. And here in this passage, we see this kinsman redeemer who is going to fulfill all of these rules, all of these regulations. We see him saying, You're not empty. Because I'll meet your needs. I'll care for you. I'll provide for you. This idea of said is throughout the story. It's to love your neighbor as yourself kind of love. Living sacrificially, selflessly. It runs throughout Ruth. It runs throughout the story of Jesus. 
And the question that we are called to ask ourselves is, is the idea of God's covenant has said, is it present and active in the way that we live? The people of God who would sing over and over that we believe joy has come to the world, are we declaring and displaying the joy of God who has come to the world? Are we people who rejoice over and over in the midst of our circumstances and situations? Are we people who rejoice even when God calls us to make sacrifices? Are we people who rejoice when everything around us says things are not going our way? Are we rejoice people? The joy of God over and over, putting Jesus on display as the hope that God has provided. Here's what I would invite you to do this morning. I want you to bow your heads. Individually and corporately, we get to wrestle with the truths of Scripture. We get to wrestle with what God teaches us about who we should be and how we should be that. Knowing that we are real people who have real struggles, I would ask us, because of Jesus, are we putting Jesus' things on display? with our words and with our actions, with the hope that we show and the hope that we provide? Are we joyous people celebrating the goodness of God joyously? Seeing needs and meeting them. Making sacrifices. Living as if Christ is our refuge, our ever-present help in times of trouble. Father, I thank you so much for a story that shows us you, your character, your nature, your goodness. And I thank you that this story points us to Jesus, who is God come down, the joy of the world. And I pray that we will not miss opportunities to make decisions that show that he is our joy. We ask this in your powerful name, Lord. If you need me, I'm in the back corner.